Welcome to the podcast of Trinity Church London. You're listening to a message given on a Sunday morning. If you'd like to know more about us and the life of the church, please visit trinitychurchlondon.com. Morning, Trinity Church London. Morning. morning to everyone who is gathered here and morning to you as well who are watching from home. Just to let you know that you are not less part of Trinity Church London because you're not able to be here. And we miss seeing you. You're not less part of Trinity Church London. We pray that, I pray that as God meets with us over here today, he will meet with you as well. Um, so, we have been in this season of Lent in 2021. And we have one of the phrases that we have heard the most is, bring out the book. Bring out the book. In the past few weeks, we have been reminded over and over again that this book... This book has the power to change us and transform us. This book has the power to lead us and guide us. This book has the power to fill our lives with spiritual light and life, bring spiritual vitality into our lives. This book has the power to change us and transform us from within. And all of this is possible not because this has some mystic power in and of itself, but all of this is possible because these are the very words of God. For us Christians, we, it, is, it is helpful to, to be reminded that every word is God-breathed. It is inspired by the Holy Spirit, as Daniel shared with us last week as well. as inspired by the Holy Spirit. This is the story of God's love and God's faithfulness for us. I mean, in this book, you will see the beautiful account of how he made us. In this book, you will find how we chose to walk away from him into our own self-centeredness, into our own self-reliance, and we were separated from God, that painful description. In this book, you will find the stories of all those men and women who were sent to point us back to God, to, to reconcile us back to God. And in this book, you will find that rock-solid truth of Jesus Christ, the God-man who took on human flesh, who came down, who entered into the human history. He died the death. He, he rose again from the dead. And by dying and giving his life on the cross, he separated all all our shame, all our guilt away from us and he reconciled us back to our maker. This is the big story of this book. It's liberating, it's energizing, it's powerful. And so church, may I say it again, let's bring out the book. Let's bring out the book and turn with me to James chapter 1. And I've asked uh, Carol to read the scripture for us this morning. James chapter 1 verses uh, verses 19 onwards. I'm going to be here uh, reading James 1, 9, from 19 to 26, and I'll be reading for, from uh, English Standard Version. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, Put away all filthiness and rampant weakness, and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. 
for he looks at it at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not brindle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you, Lord, that this word has the power to change us and transform our hearts and our lives. And we pray, Lord Jesus, that as we hear your word today, as we receive your word today, as we, as we do your word today, Lord, as we look at how we can do your word, Father, we pray that you will be with us and your Holy Spirit will guide us and teach us, Lord. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, I came across this parable of Martin Luther uh, last week. In his parable, he says, Sometimes our situation can be like a drunken man on the horse. In order to avoid falling on one side, we can fall on the other. We are a people of polarization, aren't we? Like the swing of the pendulum. We have the capacity to go on one side or completely on the other. And, and sometimes, sometimes in order to avoid falling into the pit of this legalism and preaching and practicing the gospel of works, we almost start preaching the gospel of, of uh, in such a sense that you put your faith in Jesus, that's it. Just fold your hands, sit back, relax, enjoy your life and see how it unfolds in front of you. There's nothing else to do, that's it. You put your faith in Jesus, that's it, nothing else. Whereas James over here is saying something quite extraordinary. He's saying, if you have put your faith in Jesus, if you have been saved by grace through faith, then this faith does not come alone. Then this faith does not come alone. As a person who is made in the image of God, as a person who has been born again in the image of Christ, as a person who has received the Holy Spirit, as a person who has been bought and maintained by the gospel of grace, his will result in faithful following of the word which is not just hearing the word, it is also doing the word and living the word. In fact, he goes a step further. James says, faith without works is dead. Faith without works is dead. That is, if you are hearing the word and the way we do life is not being transformed by the word, then what we are hearing is of no use. We are almost fooling ourselves. In verse 22, he says, But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. In the last few weeks in this series, Bring Out the Book, we have heard so many, so many amazing and beautiful sermons and messages. I mean, some of us, uh, we remember some of, some of them very clearly. Last week, Daniel again took us from 2 Timothy preaching, Preach the word. Some weeks ago, Charles took us through the story where Jesus says, Build your life on the solid rock, not on sand. We remember the parables of, of the sower and the soils. I mean, I can see some nods going around, so great. We remember some of the things. We can't remember everything. That would be quite marvelous if you did. But we remember something. Now, here's the bigger question. How has our life changed because of hearing of those words? Now, just to be very clear, I'm not standing here and saying, I'm, I've arrived 
I have done all of that. Now I'm asking this question myself as well. How is my life changing? Because I've heard those words in the past few weeks. How am I being transformed into the image of Christ day by day? And my dear friends, that's the big question that is in front of us. How do we move from being hearers to doers? That's the big question that I want us to look at. And how we apply the word of God in our lives in a way that is faithful and in a way that is a biblical picture of obedience. I think James gives us some very helpful principles in the passage that we're looking at. Let's look at them one by one. Uh, Doing the word. The first one. Doing the word begins on the inside. That's the first one. Doing the word begins on the inside. Verse 19, he says, Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. And during the first read, you would almost see that he's talking about some, uh, some, uh, some practical, some behavioral issues at this stage. But when you read it again, you realize that these are more character concerns that he's dealing with. He's saying, he does, not go to, he does go to the behavioral traits later, but at this stage, what he's talking about is this, that what is inside of you, what is inside of our hearts? An unwillingness to listen, a rashness to speak, a quickness to get angry. And these come from an internal anger opposed to the righteousness of God. And we see that around us, don't we? I mean, we live in, a, in, in, in times where everybody wants to have a voice. Everybody wants to uh, post something profound on Facebook. Everybody wants to tweet something weighty on Twitter. Everybody around us wants to have a voice. Everyone wants to say something quick to, quick to say. But as James is saying, hey, 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 go slow. Speak slow. Take it slowly. When you speak, go slow. Go, be slow to speak, but be quick to hear and slow to be angry. He says, look at your heart and see what's going on inside. Because that's where all of this is coming from. As Jesus said, out of the abundance of our hearts, our mouth speaks. And I would say that our hand types as well. Out of the abundance of our hearts. So there's a need of applying something into, into our hearts, onto inside of us. And James says that it is the implanted word which comes from God and which has the power and the ability to, to save our souls. That is what we need to apply into our hearts. He's not talking about some uh, self-help program. He doesn't say that, okay, keep saying positive things to yourself. Keep, keep talking to your heart in a positive manner in that sense and your heart will catch up with you. Because these self-help programs will will tell you, okay, come on, get some strength, keep speaking to your heart. Eventually they will say, you will hear your voice over and over again, positively into your heart, and then you will get some strength from there. It's not about more willpower or more strength of our own, saying that, okay, come on, come on, get up, game up. Because on a good day, you will find probably some strength to, to gather around some willpower and you will be able to do something better. But what about day after tomorrow? When you won't have strength, when the day is rotten and you feel like, I want to give up. What about that point of time? How will we manufacture that willpower, that strength of our own? James is saying, it's the implanted word that we need at this stage, which from God, which has the power to save our souls. And it's this word, it's this word, the gospel of Jesus Christ that we need. It's knowing and believing that there is a God who loves us. It's knowing and believing that He is the one who saves us. It's knowing and believing that there is a truth that can be demonstrated. It's knowing and believing that it's not just our feelings and our emotions. 
it's not a truth that changes with our feelings and our emotions. It's not a truth that changes because of our situations and circumstances. It's a truth that is rock solid. And that's the truth of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's something that is external. It's something that is outside of ourselves. And this Jesus Christ, he came outside of ourselves. He was implanted into our human history. He took on human flesh, being in the very nature of God. He took on human flesh and he entered into human history. He lived the life that we would have never be able to live. He lived that perfect life. He took away our mess. He took away our shame. And he died on the cross for our sins. And he didn't stay there. He rose again from the dead. Telling us that, listen, if you could tr put your trust in me, you will rise as well. And there is nothing that will be able to separate you from the love of God. Because death has been beaten. Death has been beaten. And we are victorious in Jesus. Nothing can separate us from God now. Not even death. Not even death. And when we make our hearts understand this, when we, when we remove our heart and say, okay, heart, listen to this. You cannot help me. I cannot help you. It's something external that we, put, we need to put our faith in. It's the Son of God, Jesus Christ. It's, it's Him who can save us and change us. And James says that this word, when it is implanted into our hearts, this word, like a seed, it, it begins to sort of take roots and it begins to germinate and it take, begins to bear fruits in our lives. And that's when the word of God starts into our, heart, into our lives and our hearts change towards Jesus. What does it look like practically? What does it look like practically? Now, practically, it looks like this for someone who has not heard this good news of Jesus Christ. Probably if you're listening and, and hearing this good news for the first time, what it means is you give the reins of your life into Jesus' hands. This is, how, this is what it looks like practically. You say, God, I want you in my life. You take out your heart and you talk to it and you say, listen, I can't help you. You can't help me. We need Jesus. You give the reins of your life into Jesus' hands. Now, you might be in a position and a situation where you say, I've heard about Jesus, I, but I still have questions. What does it mean for you? It probably means for you that you don't stop asking those questions. You keep asking, you keep searching, you keep looking, and in Jesus you will find the truth and the truth will set us free. That is what it looks like practically. How about those who have already put our faith in Jesus, who already consider ourselves Christians? What does it look like for us practically? Now, if I'm, if I'm popping a bubble here, I'm sorry, but this is what it looks like, exactly the same. We give our life to Jesus. We say, Jesus, I need you. We need you. It's a privilege to come to him daily and moment by moment. It's not a one-time event in our life. Okay, once I gave my life to Jesus and that's it. It's a moment by moment lifestyle and we need to come to Jesus. It is a privilege. And sometimes it will look like a privilege. You will feel that, yes, it is a privilege, but there, are, there will be days, to be honest. You will, you will, it will not feel like a privilege. You'll feel that, ah, oh, this is difficult to get up and go to him. And, and very helpfully, it lands to my next point. It says, doing the word calls for perseverance. Doing the word calls for perseverance. So firstly, doing the word begins on the inside of us. And secondly, doing the word calls for perseverance. What do I mean by that? Look at the analogy that James gives us in verse 23, 24. He says, for if anyone he is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently, who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror. For he looks at himself and he goes away and at once forgets what he was like. 
So the kind of looking that James is describing over here, he's not talking about some superficial looking. He says he looks at himself intently, attentive kind of scrutiny. And you know, sometimes when we are getting ready, we, we look at ourselves in the mirror, we probably uh, look at ourselves and we say, okay, there is, there is something on my forehead, or maybe while shaving, you missed a, missed a spot or something like that, and you say, you look into the mirror intently, yeah, I can see something there. Ah, oh, forget about it, then go on to you. I mean, what's the point of looking? James is saying, if you look into the mirror, you find something wrong there, and you don't do anything about it, what's the point of looking at the same time? So this is not someone, whereas this person is not someone that James is describing. He says, this is not someone who is not paying attention when the word is before his eyes, before his face. He is the one who is opening the word, who is looking intently into the word. He can see how the Bible is, is, is sort of opening and mirroring his heart into itself. But as soon as the word is shut, as soon as the sermon is given, as soon as the preach is away, as soon as we step out of the building from the community of believers, mm, it's gone. Gone. That's what he is saying. That's what James is saying. I'm not saying that. This is what James is saying. And nothing changes in this person's life. Whereas there is another kind of person who is being commended in verse 25. This is the one who perseveres. He says this, verse 25. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. He says he perseveres. He doesn't stop at looking. He doesn't walk away from the word. He keeps staring intently. He keeps looking. He perseveres. Again, what does it look like practically? I mean, we are looking at a practical letter. It just makes sense to, to talk things practically. What does it look like practically in our lives? I mean, think of, think of a concern or an issue in your life. I would think of in my life. Maybe, I don't know, anger, gluttony. Maybe some sort of addiction, maybe pornography. Look at any, any sort of issue. It's a normal day in the morning. You wake up, you open your Bible, and you possibly read from Deuteronomy or First Peter, wherever when you, when you read, and you say, Be holy, because the Lord your God is holy. And that verse falls on your lap like a ton of bricks. You say, Oh, wow, what do I do with this now? There are three options that you have. Option one, you read that verse... And you look at it intently, and as soon as you close the Bible, as soon as you close the book, you forget about it, and you get on with life, and nothing changes. That's the analogy that James gives the first one. Looking in the mirror and forgetting all about what they looked at. Nothing changes. That's the first option. The second option is when you read, when you look at the verse, and you read it, and you look to God, and you fall into that unhelpful, I would say, unhealthy introspection. When you look to God, you say, God, you are holy. And you look at yourself. I am unholy. I am worthless. I am this. I am that. And you almost fall into that downward spiral or turbine where this keeps sucking you in and sinking and sinking and sinking and just going down. You look to God and you look to Jesus and then you look at yourself and you feel ashamed. And you stay there. That's the second option. The third option Probably when you read, you look at, look at it in a way of a healthy inspection. You take an account of your life. You take, how am I living this out? God, I, I would look to you. You look at God, you say, God, you are holy. And then you look at yourself, you say, ah, oh, I, can't, I can't go at that standard. I can't live. Lord, I need you. But you don't stop there. You don't stop there. You raise your gaze to Jesus 
again. Thank you, Jesus, that I have grace in you. Grace not to stay in that sin. Grace not to stay where you are in that pit, but grace and strength to come out of that. Because Jesus says, I have stooped down. I've given you my hand. Come on, take my hand. Come out. He dusts us off. He says, here is my Holy Spirit. Be strengthened in me. That is what we are called to do. Not in our own strength, not in our own self-power, not in our own willpower, but in the power of Jesus Christ, in the power of His Holy Spirit who is inside of us. And you know what? This is not the end of it all. We will fall again. We will fall again. And you know what? He will pick us up again. We will fall again. He will pick us up again. And that takes perseverance. Perseverance not to, not just to not fall. Yes, perseverance to stay away from sin and run away from it. But at the same time, perseverance to be able to get back and run to Jesus again in the power of His Holy Spirit. It takes perseverance to do that. But in all of this, know that we are never, never alone. His Holy Spirit is with us. He is with us. And while we do all of this, James says, you will be blessed in your doing. What an amazing truth. He says, you will be blessed in your doing while you do that. So doing the word calls for perseverance. Thirdly and finally, doing the word brings glory to God. We say that the mission of this church, Trinity Church London, is to see the glory of God known across London and the nations. And one of the ways God wants to do that is through you and me. When we read the word, when we take that word in, when we live out that word and go into our workplaces, we bring glory to the Father. When we read the word, when we live out that word, we automatically are taking that word to the school gates while we drop our children. And that brings glory to the Father. When we do the word and chat with our neighbors over the fence, that brings glory to the Father. When we look after the needs of people around us, especially the ones who are not able to look after themselves, especially who are finding life difficult in these situations, when we do all of this, we bring glory to Father. And for James, this is a big theme at this stage. He says caring for orphans and widows is a big theme for him. The one who cannot take care of themselves because the breadwinner of their, of, of their, uh, in, in their family is no more with them now. And that can be anyone for us at this stage, isn't it? And all of this happens when we, uh, uh, while all of this is happening, we look to the perfect doer. The doer with a capital D, the one who, who did the will of the Father. We look to him, the God-man Jesus Christ. And we see that he spent a generous amount of time with all sorts of people. He, he spent a generous amount of time with those especially who were not able to give anything back to him. He prioritized his time in such a way that he spent time with the marginalized, with people of uh, low social status. He spent time with these kinds of people to the point that the important people around him, the important people, he said, they started cursing him. They started saying all sorts of things, criticizing him, accusing him, even hating him. All sorts of important people. Whereas Jesus didn't stop there. He kept spending time with all wrong sorts of people as well. And I'm so thankful he did that. Because I don't know about you. I was in that category of the wrong sorts of people. I mean, for Sunday, Sunday mornings, the two things sensible that I have. The one thing is the Bible and the second thing is my story of what God did in my life. That's the second thing. And I want to share my story very quickly. I was... I was a Muslim up until nine years ago, and I, was, I fell in that category of 
wrong thoughts and that's why Jesus got me out. I was a person who used to live that double-faced life where externally I used to say, yes, Islam is the best. Very confident in all the good works that I was accumulating for myself as a blessing. And as inwardly, there was this question, what about my wrongs? What will Allah do with me? What is he going to do with them? I was living that double sort of a life. But about nine years ago, I was, I was in this sort of a Christian uh, gathering. Uh, well, apart from the social distancing, of course. Um, and uh, over there, there were, there were these Christians who were praying for one another. And there was this lady who came to me and she asked me, uh, did somebody pray for you? Can, I, can, I, can we pray for you? And I said, what's wrong with you guys? You've gone so off course altogether. There's only one truth. You believe in three different gods and this and that. And I, give, I started giving a lecture in her on Islam. And she simply asked me, can, can I pray for you? I said, fine, go ahead, pray. Let's see what happens. With a little bit of hesitation and a lot of self-puff in the good works that I was doing, I said, come on, let's pray. Let's put this Jesus of yours to test. And they started praying over me. And, and that question of my, of my childhood, like, what about my wrongs? What will Allah do with those wrongs? God started answering that question in such a powerful way. My eyes were closed. There were people around me who were praying for me. And, and a sort of a presentation screen came in front of me. And all the wrongs that I had done in my life started coming, on, coming up one by one. Abdullah, this is the wrong that you have done. And I'm going to forget it forever. Abdullah, this is the wrong that you have done. And I'm going to separate that wrong from you as far as east is from the west. Abdullah, this is the wrong that you have done. I'm going to throw it away from you. And, thank you Lord. and I was standing over there and asking, who are you who's showing me all these things? Carrying that big bag of my good works with me. Who are you who's showing me all these things? I have never felt anything of this sort before. Who are you? And in my own language, which is Urdu, I heard these, wo these words very clearly in my heart. Mehu Isa, which means I am Jesus. And Jesus, and that was the moment where, where life suddenly took a sort of a U-turn, and I was in Jesus, and Jesus was in me, and is in me. And I can, and I can say this, and I can say this, looking at the Bible, looking at lives around me, looking at lives around us, that He is still in the business of saving the wrong sorts. He's still in the business of doing that. And now when he calls us out, and he calls us, go do the same. Live out this word. Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church. Wives, submit to your husbands. Employers, work for your, um, work for, for your bosses as if you are not working for them. You are working for me, God says. And when we live this word out, what we're doing is we are loving all sorts of people around us. The good sorts, in our eyes, whatever, the wrong sorts. We are loving all sorts of people around us. And by doing that, what we're doing is we are following in the footsteps of Jesus. We are imitating our Lord Jesus Christ. And that brings glory to the Father. That brings glory to the Father. Can I give us an assignment? Is that, is that allowed? Is that allowed an assignment? I mean, feel free to choose and, and not do it, basically. But I, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. If possible, carve out some time and just look at some of the messages, some of the sermons, some of the preachers, whatever you want to call it, 
what we have heard in the past few weeks, bring out the book. Come out sometime and do that and get the main theme out of it. See what, what is Jesus trying to say there? What is God saying in those passages? And ask God. You literally just take that, write that in your journal and ask God, God, what do I do with this? I want to live this in my life. I want to live this in my life. Not to show, not for self-actualization, not for self-improvement or anything of that sort, but simply to bring glory to your name, Father. I want to live this out. Let me summarize. We are called to be the hearers and the doers of the word. It starts from within. When this word, which is external, this word, Jesus Christ, this word, the Bible, when this external word goes inside of us, our hearts begin to change. It's not a one-time effect. It's not a one-time job. It will take perseverance. We will have to call, call, in, call on God and do this over and over again. But we are not doing this alone in our own strength. We are doing this in the grace of God by the power of, our Holy, of the Holy Spirit. And when we do this, we will let our light shine so that those who will see around us the good works that we are doing will glorify not us, but the Father in heaven. Amen. At this stage, what I would do is, let's raise our gaze to this perfect doer of God's will. Let's raise our gaze to Jesus and ask him for strength, ask him for his, more of his Holy Spirit, ask him for a heart that, that follows after his own heart. As Esther leads us in this song, let's raise our gaze to Jesus once again. Thank you very much for listening.